Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. I think that when parents and moms choose to prioritize their own health, this kind of naturally spills over into the lives of their kids and their children, who will hopefully grow up with a really strong foundation of what it looks like to care for your mind and your body. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friend, welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. Chris here. And today I am so excited to introduce today's guest to you and to talk about a topic that I think is one of those buzzwords in the world of wellness. We hear about mindfulness. And, you know, I've talked about mindfulness before when it comes to intuitive eating. But it's one of those things that I think is largely misunderstood. What does it actually mean to be mindful, to have a mindfulness practice? And how do we actually implement mindfulness in our daily lives as busy moms? How do we go from a place of feeling overwhelmed and a place of feeling burnt out and practically start cultivating the tools to be more mindful, to connect with our bodies better, and to tune into things like the food that feels good for us and the movement that feels good for us and you know living that life of balance that we are all striving for this is the healthy balance mama podcast but i think the word balance is oftentimes very overused and so is the word mindful or mindfulness so what do they actually mean and how can we practically apply them to our lives as busy moms and how can they help us to live our healthiest happiest most balanced lives and that's why i am so excited to have my new friend danielle on to share with you guys Danielle Havens is a bedside nurse turned full-time mama and holistic health coach. She is passionate about making food and fitness simple and sustainable for women. Danielle also teaches empowering bar and yoga classes to help you feel connected to and love your body. Danielle has a one-year-old son and is obsessed with oat milk lattes and the ocean. So you guys can tell how we became quick friends, and we had an incredible conversation. Danielle shares her real and raw story about struggling in her early career as a nurse, feeling burnt out, turning to the control of food and movement, and how that didn't serve her, and she shares the moment where it really all changed for her. Actually, it was more than just a moment. It was several days, and she shares that story and how she did the work to become a more balanced 
woman and then eventually a more balanced mama when she had her son and how she has used the practice of mindfulness to create a more intuitive relationship with food and with movement. And I love how she speaks about gentle nutrition and intuitive movement in a way that is really honoring our bodies and honoring ourselves and and taking care of ourselves. It's not just about eating all the things all the time or just working out when we feel like it. It's about how can we utilize our mind and our body connection to take care of ourselves in the best way we can. So it was an incredible conversation. We could have talked for hours more, and I'm pretty sure we're going to talk more in the future because it was just a great conversation, and I am just so excited for you guys to listen. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am so excited to have you on. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I am a longtime listener and a fangirling a little bit over here. So thank you so much for having me today. Oh my gosh, we are going to have such a good conversation. I already know it because we've already been chatting for a little while, <laughs> yes. but I feel like I have to start with the icebreaker, even though we don't really need that at this point. But what I've been asking my guests recently is what are you reading these days? Mm, okay. So I'm going to give you the honest answer of, I have been reading the lip book, Little Blue Truck. <laughs> over and over and over again to my son. So that's a daily read. It's his favorite book. He's a year old. But for my own personal like reading list, I um, just picked up the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Um, And I forget the author's name, but I can't wait to dive into that. I um, haven't read a book for quite for a few weeks now, but the last book I read was Where the Crawdad Sings. And that was a great book as well. I loved that book. That was one of my favorite books of 2020. I actually, um, I was a part of a book club um, at kind of like the beginning of 2020. And we did that. Well, we could still meet in person. I guess we're doing that again now. But at that point, (laughs) we went into the place of not being able to meet people in person. That was like the last book we all read together. It was such a good book. Um, And The Body Keeps the Score is amazing too. I am like in the middle of that book because it's taking me a long time to read, but it Mm -hmm. is incredible. So those are some awesome, awesome reads. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I am so excited to jump in to today's topic. We are going to talk about mind-body connection for mamas and kind of explore what that actually means because I think it can seem like a very nebulous term. What does mind-body connection mean? What does We're going to dig into the topics of gentle nutrition and intuitive movement and all of the things, but I already read your bio, but I would love if you just kind of shared with my listeners who you are for any of my listeners who don't yet know you and what you're passionate about bringing to the world. Okay. Yes, I would love to. So I'm Danielle. (laughs) I'm a holistic health coach. I'm a registered nurse and I'm also a fitness instructor. I teach bar and yoga classes, Um, but most importantly, I'm a mom. Um, Like we mentioned, I have a one-year-old son and he is the light of my life. We just celebrated his birthday last week. Um, And I am passionate about helping women, especially moms, to help them live uh, healthier lives in a way that's simple and sustainable. And I really want women to feel vibrant in their day-to-day and um, healthy from within and start with the mind-body connection, mindfulness, and listening to their bodies. So I help them do this in a way that's actually doable in their real lives because I've tried all the ways that were not sustainable and not doable in your everyday. Um, so it's really my mission to help women with the things that have helped me. So the methods that helped me, these are things like intuitive eating, mindfulness, bar and yoga, and like I mentioned before, gentle nutrition. All of these can really help nourish you from the inside out and are things um, that have helped me in some of the darkest and most challenging times in my life. I really felt like once I discovered these tools, I wanted to share them with everyone I could. Um, And then behind all of that, I would say that my why is is truly my son. (laughs) And he inspires everything that I do. And this is why I think my work is so important and impactful. Um, I really want to leave the world a better place for him and a brighter place for him. So 
becoming a mom was one of the most profound experiences in my life and still is as you continue to evolve as a mother. But I think that when parents and moms choose to prioritize their own health, this kind of naturally spills over into the lives of their kids and their children who will hopefully grow up with a really strong foundation of what it looks like to care for your mind and your body. So my why is my, my little one. <laughs> and that's a little bit about me. Oh my gosh. I love that so, so much. And you know, this is the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. So I'm talking mm -hmm. um, primarily to mamas. You know, we have listeners who are her mamas to be or who have grown kids or who are not mamas mm -hmm. at all. Um, but, and they still listen. Um, but, and we appreciate all of you. <laughs> I think we have like, you know, one guy who might listen to you also appreciate you. Um, but I, I, when I first started my business and I started directing it kind of towards mamas and, and back then I was, I was doing health coaching and, and fitness coaching, um, different than I, than I do now. But I had people ask me like, do you really want to talk specifically to moms? Like, you know, you're always going to be a mom, but eventually aren't you going to want to talk to somebody else? And I'm like, I, maybe, but being a mom is, it's such a big part of who I am. And I think moms need this type of support so much. And I think the work you do is so important. And I think our, our kids really are the driving factor for why um, I think so many of us want to create healthy changes in our lives because we want to be good examples for them. And we want, um, and we want them to live healthy lives too, right? So yes. I've been nodding the whole time you just talked and said that because um, I have the same fear of like, oh, do I really? Do I, so a lot of people in this business world call it like niching down. Do I really want mothers and um, parents to be my niche? And um, yes, I do. <laughs> because there's a lack of support for moms and parents and we're trying to do it all. And I think that it is, a really important field that doesn't get enough attention. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it doesn't get enough attention in the, in the, um, right ways, you know, yes. mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of targeting of, um, and when I say right, you know, I guess I don't want to, to put the label of right and wrong on things at all. Um, but I think there's a lot of targeting to moms of, you know, mm -hmm. do more, do more, do more, and a mm -hmm. lot less of tune into your body and listen mm -hmm. to your body and do what your body is telling you and find balance. Yep. And there's like, oh, balance is a myth. So you might as well not even try for it. <laughs> and I'm like, I think we need, I think that we, we just need to kind of redefine what balance means and, and connect with exactly. ourselves more. And, and that's what you're all about. And I love that so much. So I would love to, to know more a little bit about your story. So you mm -hmm. talked about, you know, some of these things like intuitive eating and mindfulness and intuitive movement really helping you in some of your darkest days. So I would love to dig mm -hmm. into kind of what, what brought you to this place? What brought you to this place of, you know, wanting to help moms other than, you know, your, your why being actually being a mom. Um, what are some of the things that you've been through that brought you to, to where you are today and the things that you teach women today? Okay. So I love this question, um, but I also find it challenging because I think sometimes people can expect a story to be linear, but my path has definitely been a long one with lots of twists and turns. So I think it's important to start out with the fact that when I was three, I started dance classes. And I asked my parents to turn on Elvis Presley and dance every night in my pajamas. So I've always had this love for moving my body, creative movement, creative expression, and for like anatomy and really being in my body. It was just a natural love for me. Um, in addition to that, growing up, I knew I always wanted to be in some sort of medical field or helping or healing professional. And this is just partly my personality and partly what happened when I was a kiddo. Um, my sister had a um, chronic illness and my dad was in an accident when I was younger. And I saw the ways that the healing and helping professionals had such a profound impact in not only their lives, but my life, life as well. So I decided on nursing school and that felt like the perfect, great fit for me. And that's exactly what I did. I am, uh, got the scholarships, went to nursing school at the University of Vermont, and I eventually passed my boards after graduation and began working as a nurse on my own. I went right into, I didn't have any breaks. I was like uh, high school, college, full-time job. 
Um, and I didn't just pick any job. <laughs> I decided to pick a critical care nursing intern where it was 16 weeks of an additional training before working on my own. So it was like pretty intense. Um, and after working there for a while, I found myself pretty unhappy and anxious and really stressed out and kind of what I would say was burnt burnout. Um, but I kind of ignored it because I was like, this is my dream, right? I am here. I'm doing what I always wanted to do. I'm helping people heal. I'm a nurse. I have a wonderful um, partner and friend group and I'm living on my own. I felt like I was doing all the, the right, quote, right things. <laughs> um, but after a while of kind of trying to ignore this unhappiness and burnout and feeling not my best, I realized that it wasn't going away on its own and I needed to do something about it. So this is also in my story where food becomes a little bit complicated for me. Um, I think my relationship with food really started out as a positive and nutrition was my favorite class in college. However, during this time in my life, when I was working day shift, night shift, not having a lot of sleep, a lot of things felt out of control. That's when my um, relationship with food began to um, be kind of disordered. So I started to like really track all my food and weigh things and measure my food. And like my whole day revolved around it what I was going to eat and when, and it was a lot of mental chatter. And I know a lot, a lot of the listeners on this podcast can probably relate to that feeling. Um, and I also started to leave behind when uh, the movements that were, that did initially bring me so much joy. So the bar and the yoga and the dance, I started to shift away from those and into like the intense hit workouts and like weightlifting, because that's what I thought would I saw other people doing that. And I thought that would bring me this um, satisfaction and happiness that I was really seeking. Um, so long story short, both food and movement um, became really challenging and lost their joy for me. It didn't feel fun anymore. It felt like a chore and it felt like a chore that I couldn't really stop. Like it was constantly on my mind and at the same time, I didn't know how to stop because I felt like if I didn't stop tracking my food and my workouts and um, doing these regimented plans that everything would just spiral out of control. <laughs> so that was all kind of simultaneous, simultaneously happening at the same time. And I continued this pattern for a while, trying to keep it all inside. Um, and I don't think that anyone close to me other than my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband or my really close friends would know I was struggling so much with food and exercise um, because I did keep it so internal and private, which is part of the reason why I've decided that it's my mission to talk about it because listening to other people's stories and their sharing, sharing their feelings and um, struggles is what opened my eyes to know that I wasn't alone. So with, with feeling burnt out at work, not feeling fulfilled in my career, and also struggling with this relationship with movement and exercise, I was still trying to take the next right step. I was still trying to keep going and figure out what was going to make the change for me. So I decided to enroll in bar teacher training. And as soon as I started teaching bar classes, it was like this spark went off inside of me again. And I was like, this, this is right. This is exactly what I need. I discovered that I loved helping women feel good in their bodies. And I really got excited again about promoting wellness instead of what I was seeing every day in my nursing career, which was caring for like illness. So I think the words wellness and illness are really um, illuminating because they're both of the same compounds, but one, they're the opposites of each other. And I just had this shift mentally where I was like, wow, I kind of want to be on the other side of things and help women prioritize their well-being and wellness instead of helping them when they are already ill. Um, and then on the food front, <laughs> I went on vacation and we, I was engaged at the time. And I had 
this is a pivotal moment in my story that I would really, that it's really important for me to touch on because we were going on a vacation that was in a tropical space and I wouldn't have Wi-Fi or self-service for over a week. And okay, this sounds a little bit <laughs> crazy, but I was very nervous about this. I remember my stomach dropping because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to log my food. I'm not going to be able to track my food. I'm not going to be able to um, keep track of my workouts. It felt like my worst nightmare and I was so upset about it. But on the vacation, I put my phone in my backpack for a week. I took off my fitness tracker for a week and I felt the best that I had in a very long time. I enjoyed the conversations I was having at the dinner table with the family that I was with. I spent time at the beach just being in the present moment and I just soaked it all up and I didn't worry about those things anymore. And I remember thinking like, wow, this could be something I could take back with me after vacation. And that was really a turning point for me because when I got back from the vacation with our wedding coming up, I knew there was absolutely no way I wanted to be tracking and thinking about food and my body on my wedding day. Mm. I really craved that presence and freedom and fun that I experienced on the vacation. And so it was then and there, I was like, I need some support. And with the help of my husband, I reached out and started working with a therapist and a dietitian. And I did group coaching program and immersed myself in intuitive eating and healing my relationship with food and movement. Um, it was some of the hardest work of my life. And it was also a huge time of growth and healing. And while this is all happening, I was still teaching bar classes and yoga classes. Um, until I became pregnant and gave birth to my son. So that was last June, I gave birth to my son. And like I have mentioned, it was becoming a mom was one of the most profound and wonderful experiences of my life. Um, and I gave birth during the pandemic, which is another story for another time. But when I became a mom, something shifted inside of me. And I realized how precious time was and that it was now or never. And I was ready to make the transition to from being a full-time nurse into coaching. So I, four months postpartum, I hired my first business coach and was really nervous, but very excited. And the rest just kind of happened and flow, flowed out of me. My coach helped me create a program and with all of that combines my expertise, knowledge and passion so that I can help moms um, through the things that I've gone through and learned. And that is my story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I know that um, we have so many parallels. We've already chatted about this. We have so many parallels in our story. And I'm so thankful for you doing the work that you do and being here and sharing your story because I think that so many moms or women in general um, and men, but so many women in general do suffer in silence and they struggle mm -hmm. in silence and they have these like overwhelming thoughts about food and movement and their body and, you know, what I would consider like obsessive thoughts and oftentimes mm -hmm. disorder thoughts. And we don't even, we don't even recognize that that is what they are. And they're just so pervasive and, you know, society is there to tell us, to cheer us on and to tell us like, yeah, mm -hmm. just work harder and um, <laughs> focus more on your food, focus more on your movement. Here's this new app or this new program or this new thing to follow in yeah. order to feel your best. Meanwhile, we can barely even, you know, focus on conversations with people and enjoying our actual lives because we're so focused on our food yes. and our movement. And I, can so feel for that girl that you were talking about, you know, who was just so, you know, preoccupied by food mm -hmm. and movement and with the trackers and the apps. And when I first started calorie counting, like way back in the day when I was in high school, they didn't even, we didn't even have like iPhones. <laughs> I had, um, oh my gosh, what was it called? It was some sort of like a fancy flip phone. Oh gosh. I wish I could remember. Like a razor or something. <laughs> I had a razor, but it was something it like it actually had a keyboard on it that was mm. oh, I can't even remember what it's called now. It sounds way less cool to talk about it if I can't remember what it was called. But Did it, it have like the triple the triple um, tap for texting? Oh my like, gosh. It it had you could use both of your thumbs instead of just one thumb. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. 
And it was, yes. it was very fancy. Um, so, and I remember that I had a, like a notes app and I could actually start writing my notes in there and start tracking mm-hmm. my calories in there instead of in a notebook. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that carried me through until the apps and the fitness trackers and all of these things. And it's so easy for what we initially start out as wanting to be wellness and health to turn into something that is taking us away from our actual lives and the joy of just living and experiencing mm-hmm. our lives. And so I love that story about you on your vacation and how transformative that was for you. And that you went home and actually did the work too, to go, okay, yeah. I recognize that this is something that needs to change. And then and then you went for it. And, and now you're yeah. helping other women with that. So, oh my gosh, I love that so much. And I'm sure so many women who are listening can can relate to that too. So you mentioned in your story, you kind of talk about being in this place of burnout or near burnout and being distressed mm-hmm. and anxious all the time and not happy with where you were. And, you know, and, and also having, you know, the struggling relationship with food and movement at the same time too, which to me equates to this kind of place of, of disconnection from ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We're not actually, and I've been in the exact same place, which is why I'm, I'm using the we. <laughs> we think mm-hmm. I have been in the exact same place of burnout where I wasn't, I was trying to force my body to either look a certain way or be a certain way. I was almost trying to force health on myself or force my business to be in a certain place but I wasn't actually tuning in and listening. And so I know one of the biggest things that you said has been helpful for you is this idea of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think that mindfulness is a huge buzzword in the wellness industry. Um, And so is mind-body connection, which is where I really want to kind of focus in on because that was a really big, a really key component to your story. So I would love to kind of dive into when you started, when you had this realization where you're like, oh my gosh, I want to live a life of joy and freedom. And I don't want to be obsessing about food and movement and stressed out in my job and I want to feel good and live my life to this place you are now. So how did mindfulness play into this? What does mindfulness really even mean? And (laughs) why are so many of us mamas feeling disconnected? Yes. Okay. So I love that you acknowledge that mindfulness is a buzzword because it totally is. And that being said, we've often heard, I find that people have often heard about it and it's something that they're like, oh, I think I should probably do that. Or like, I'm curious about it, but it feels overwhelming, daunting, and kind of unrealistic. Um, And that's how I felt too. I was like, yeah, yeah, mindfulness, (laughs) but it can be really, really transformational. And um, it just may not have been explained in a way that makes sense to you. So the way that it it was explained to me in the, therapy and counseling office that I was going to in coaching office was that mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment. And it doesn't have to be anything more than that. And it can be 10 seconds. It can be longer than that, but it's something that you can do at any time of the day, at any moment. And the other thing about explaining when I was learning about mindfulness and explaining explaining it to my clients as well, is that it is acknowledging that it is a practice and not something that you can um, achieve or have an end point, just like intuitive eating. It's a lifelong practice that you continue to do throughout your life. So again, I just want to say that mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment. It's bringing awareness to the your body, your thoughts, and your senses. And it can be practiced in a variety of different ways and settings, like in meditation, what you traditionally think of for mindfulness, mindful movement, and mindful eating. And the reason that this was so transformational in my story too, was because up until that vacation, and up until I really was able to get myself support, I was living very disconnected. I was doing everything from my brain and trying to to control everything rather than tuning into my body and what it needs. Um, Something that I, I wish I could remember who said this because I would love to give them credit, but sometimes words can feel overwhelming. So 
I like to find alternatives for people to embrace. <laughs> and so sometimes people find that mindfulness is like daunting, overwhelming, confusing. And I found that replacing mindfulness with the term heartfulness can feel more um, attainable because a lot of times people, when I say, where do you feel that in your body? They point to their heart or they point to their chest or their belly. So um, it gives them more of a something that makes sense for them. So you can also think of mindfulness as heartfulness. And when I really began tuning into, okay, where, where in my body is it? Am I feeling this? What is it saying to me? Um, it helped me to learn, relearn that I can trust my body that is sending me some signals and that it is talking to me all of the time. So mind body connection is really integrating mindfulness and interoceptive awareness, which is taught in intuitive eating. And I know we've talked about before and acknowledging that your mind and your body are connected and they are not two separate entities and that everything affects the other, um, other terms that I've heard use that you may like are um, the brain body connection or mind muscle connection. So those are also different like ways to say it. Um, sometimes explaining mindfulness in the mind body connection is it's helpful to explain what it isn't. So what the opposite of mind body connection is mind body disconnect. And this would look like following a very rigid exercise plan and pushing through workouts, even if you're injured or really, really tired or um, another example is like not being aware of your menstrual cycle and doing things that don't align with that or being unaware of the things that are happening internally or in your body. Um, another example would be um, ignoring your hunger or fullness cues, um, those types of things. So it is really living out of tune in of your body versus feeling your feelings, your sensations and your muscles um, and your emotions. Yeah. So, and then your sec the second part of your question was, why are so many of us feeling disconnected? And I think that it's simply because this is how we've always operated. And this is how we see it being modeled. And this is how we have um, learned from either social media or friends that um, it's okay to follow that nutrition plan, or it's okay to follow this external cue um, and actually that's maybe even better than listening to your body. So I think we're feeling disconnected because many of us maybe have not ever remember feeling connected and what that's like. So we're kind of on autopilot operating from the sense of control from the brain versus pausing, paying attention to what's happening and listening to our cues and living from that place instead. Mm, yes. Oh my gosh. It's so true too. When you're talking about why so many of us feel disconnected, the first thing that popped into my head was we oftentimes don't trust our bodies and mm -hmm. we, or we don't trust that our, our mind can, I guess, properly interpret our body's cues. I think because we, mm -hmm. we are never taught that mindfulness was not something that I was taught as a child. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily denied my like hunger cues or things like that. If I was hungry, then I would, you know, usually I would get myself a snack. I can't remember my mom, like serving me snacks on a plate after a certain mm -hmm. age. Definitely did. She took care of me. My mom's a great mom. She listens to the mm -hmm. podcast. Love you, mom. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like after a certain age, I just got my own snack. So I was sort of, but I wasn't necessarily taught to listen to my hunger. And when it came to, when I started, you know, working out and, and moving as a teenager, we were totally taught to push past the mm -hmm. pain because you're like, well, you're not going to get any results. If, and I'm saying this, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, because it's something that took me so many years to learn that it's okay to take a break. If there's a difference between yes. discomfort and pain. And I know that I, um, I'm a runner and I love to run and I've learned how to balance that with other types of movement because it's really easy for me to run myself into a place of injury, which is some like things uh, is something that I've done <laughs> several times in the past because it's like just push past it, just push past it, and that's the message that we hear so yeah. much. And I think it's the same message we oftentimes hear in motherhood, where it's like just push past the exhaustion, do the next thing. It's like one more load of laundry, don't take a nap, you know, don't just do everything as much as you can. And eventually, eventually you'll be able to rest. And I, I think that that is such a, oh gosh, I mean, I'm trying to think of even the right word. It, 
I think we are, we're taught to take care of ourselves, right? And we're taught to fill our cups first, but we don't oftentimes do that. And then, you know, on the food and, and the nutrition side of things, we're taught to push beyond our cues and to not trust ourselves. And I think mindfulness really does bring that all together. And it's one of those things, just like, you know, self-care, fill your cup. It's so easy to hear and it's a lot harder to practice. So I'm really glad that you reminded us that it is a practice. It's something that we, we learn and we cultivate, but we continue to practice it. It's not like, you know, we learn mindfulness and then all of a sudden, you know, we, we have it all. (laughs) We feel great. (laughs) bodies, And we're trusting our bodies and food and movement and motherhood and all of these places. So what I would love to, to know and to explore more is how can women start to cultivate mindfulness in their daily life? Because like we said, most of the women listening are moms. They might have children of different ages. They might be newer moms like you. They might be slightly more seasoned moms like me. I mean, I only have a three and seven-year-old, so I'm still (laughs) in early days. Or they might, you know, they might have kids who are older, but whatever place of motherhood we're in, I think that mindfulness is, is so, so important. So how can they start to cultivate that in their daily lives? What a great question. So I think the simplest and most accessible for all of us is to simply start by bringing awareness to your breath. And along those lines, it's not something that you're going to be washing the dishes and then suddenly be like, oh, it's time to practice mindfulness now. Like you'll probably have so many other thoughts going around in your head at that moment or that time. So to start, it may be really helpful and supportive for people to set little reminders on their phone or sticky notes around their house or wherever you spend time. I literally have a a necklace that says inhale, exhale. And when I had an office as a nurse, I had a poster on my wall that said breathe because it reminded me it was a visual reminder to pay attention to the breath. So the breath is one of the most um, accessible ways for you to start to cultivate the mind-body connection. It's always there for you. And even just taking three deep breaths or setting your timer for 60 seconds, even 30 seconds, and focusing your attention on your breath for those 30 to 60 seconds can be a great place to start. I love to think of the reminders when you're starting out any type of habit as instead of like an annoying little beep that that is either on your phone or your calendar or email or whatever you're reminding yourself, but think of it as writing a love note to your future self. And when you do that, it's like, oh, this is a gift from my past self reminding me to take a deep breath. Um, Another thing that has been really helpful for me in Um, creating a mindfulness practice has been journaling. And I think that journaling is one of the most underrated forms of self-care. And it's a tool that helps with um, learning to trust your body, learning to work through and identify your feelings. It's an incredible tool that can really help you get to know yourself. Um, So if you don't have a journal or have had a journal in the past and aren't sure about what to write or how to get started with that. If you're feeling like intimidated or overwhelmed by journaling, you can start start by just simply writing down three words, how you're feeling. And that can begin to um, help you identify where in your body you feel things, what emotions are coming up, how that's affecting your day, really paying attention on purpose to those feelings, writing them down. And like that begins to start you can start to see patterns and connect it all through your day-to-day. Um, so checking in with yourself throughout the day, bringing awareness to your breath, and um, starting a journaling practice can all be really powerful ways to start practicing mindfulness in your daily lives. Oh, I love all of those. And I love that for the most part, they're 100% free and really easy to access to. <laughs> I think there's so many wellnessy things in the world that we think we need in order to create more balance in our lives. But simple things like connecting to our breath and journaling, which I have to say, I started a journaling pa- practice in January of this year. Um, 
And so when this, when this comes out, it'll be August. And I'm confident enough to say that I will still be journaling (laughs) in August. And I had kept journals throughout my life on and off um, other than my food journals, but I had kept journals (laughs) kind of on and off, but it had been a while since I really created that practice of journaling in the morning, every single morning. And not that that's, you know, we, you can do it in many different ways. I'm sure it's, it's whatever works for, for you and your life. It could be during your kid's nap time. It could be at nighttime, but it is so powerful to Mm -hmm. reflect. And I just try and at this point in the beginning, I use kind of some journal prompts. I Mm -hmm. love your prompts of just three things. What am I feeling? Which is, can be really hard because it's hard to identify what we're feeling if we haven't been, again, just like, just like with mindfulness as a whole, if we haven't been taught that identifying our feelings is so huge. And so I started with prompts and then I kind of moved into just kind of like a brain stream in the morning. And I noticed the days where I don't journal now. Like I actually notice myself feeling more scattered and more anxious and less present. And so I can totally vouch for that and how powerful that is. So I love that. And so, so simple. And I think it is the simple things that sometimes we forget are tools that are available to us that make mm-hmm. the biggest difference. Yes. And I just want to add, um, so sometimes if you're, if you are struggling to identify your feelings and naming them, there's, if you Google feelings wheel, there's a feelings wheel. And I don't know off the top of my head where exactly it comes from, but it can be really helpful to like print out, stick on the inside of your journal cover and like use that to help you um, put language to the emotions that you're experiencing in your body, in your journal. Mm, Oh, I love that. Yeah. Sometimes we do. We just, we need we need some suggestions of words (laughs) so we can work through and go, is that what I'm feeling? Is that what I'm feeling? Oh, that's what I'm feeling. And then it opens up so much, right? And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm feeling fear about this thing. Okay. Then you can dig in a little bit deeper to that or whatever it is. So, oh, I love that. Okay. So there was a part in your story that Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to dig a little bit deeper into mindfulness specifically for the mom or the woman listening who is feeling burnt out. So we mm-hmm. talked about the imp- the importance of breath and identifying our emotions and mm-hmm. our feelings and, and journaling. And I think all of these things can be incredible tools. But what about when the woman is feeling just like completely burnt out? She's like, I've tried all of the things and nothing seems to be working. What helped you to go from that place of, I mean, other than the big career change, <laughs> what helped mm-hmm. you to go from that place of um, of burnout to a place that's a little bit more balanced? Yeah. Um, so although it may feel satisfying to add things in, like okay, I'm feeling burnt out. Maybe I need a new fitness routine. Okay, I'm feeling burnt out. Maybe I need to eat different foods or read a book or join this. That what really helped me in that time was slowing down and doing way less. And that included movement. So that, that uh, during that time, when I began to tune into what my body was actually asking and what my body needed, my body was craving yoga and I'm not talking like vinyasa power flow. I'm talking like restorative yin yoga where you hold poses for three to five minutes. And, um, there have been several classes and during that time was one of them where I simply sat in child's pose or lat, um, was lying on my mat in Shavasana with just dear tears flowing down my neck, my neck and onto my mat. And just allowing myself to feel tired and release all the emotions and, and, um, overwhelm and, um, just really slowing down and being with myself. Um, I think a lot of times we can just want to add, and there is a time and a space for that, but when you're burnt out, it's a great time to reduce and relax. The other thing that really, really helped me during this time and go from a place of feeling extremely burnt out to a place where I'm feeling more balanced now is learning self-compassion. 
And there's a lot of studies and a lot of books on this. And if you um, Google self-compassion, you'll be taken to the website by Dr. Kristen Neff, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, and she has free resources there to dive into, but um, really learning what self-compassion is, how to talk to myself in a compassionate way, how to place my hand on my heart and say, it's okay, you are suffering right now. And suffering is a normal feeling and working through the steps of self-compassion. Um, and that is a huge component of mindfulness and mind-body connection and intuitive eating. Like it's all interconnected. Um, and it's, it's a really important skill that has helped me as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If, if we could get more moms on the self-compassion train, <laughs> the better. Mm -hmm. I think we beat ourselves up so much for not getting all of the things done. And I'm speaking to myself here too, right? Not getting all the yeah. things done or again, with the food and the movement, not living up to these crazy unrealistic expectations, oftentimes ones that we put on ourselves, whether it is food, movement, motherhood, any of these areas. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, just having that compassion that it's okay, that we are going to have hard days, that we're going to suffer. And it's all part of the human experience. It's so important. I know um, we both know Paige Schmidt and um, she, one of the things she talks about on her podcast, she's been on this podcast twice before. Um, and I think we talked about it in our last episode together. But we talked about um, holding the space for both types of um, or for every type of emotion and how mm -hmm. we need to recognize that it's it's normal for us to have positive and negative emotions and sometimes all at the same time and yeah. kind of like accepting that it's it's OK for us to feel bad sometimes and have compassion on mm -hmm. ourselves for that. And then it's also it's also OK to feel good <laughs> and yeah. even sometimes when other people aren't feeling good. And so I think that. Um, I think that that just kind of came up when you were sharing that. And I think those are such important tools. I think it can be really easy to feel like we can't, um, we can't slow down when we have kids and when we're busy moms, whether we're working moms or stay at home moms or a combination of the two, like you and I are. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it can be easy to say that we can't, but, um, I think what in my story, I really didn't slow down until I was forced to because my body forced me to because I ended up in this place of like chronic fatigue and that's the place we don't want to be in. So I think mm -hmm. it's such an important message that you have for moms that it's it's okay to slow down when we're starting to feel that burnout. So it doesn't get to that point of yeah. not being able to show up the way we want to for the people in our lives that we love. So I think that's so important and self-compassion is so huge and so hard, just like all of these yeah. things. Hard, so hard. <laughs> important work. And when we say hard, we don't mean impossible. It's just, it's good work. It's important work. And just like mindfulness, it's a practice, right? So mm -hmm. it is something that you, you start to cultivate and then it becomes easier over time to have compassion on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And I think another thing that Pete, that, um, in my um, experience that makes these types of things hard is that they're intangible and they all happen within you and within your mind. And, um, as a personal development journey, like it's not like you're running a race and you get to the end and then you're, you're there. It's very intangible and it's lifelong. So that's part of the reason that I find it can be challenging. And that's where having, um, support can be really helpful. Yes. A hundred percent. I am all, all about women getting support when in whatever way they can, whether it's through a coach or a group program or a therapist or whatever they need when they're, they're mm -hmm. going through this and they're in a place of burnout. It's so crucial because we already try to do so many things ourselves. Some things we just, right. we need, we need some help with it. So that's so important. So I want to dig a little bit into how this mindfulness and this mind-body connection connects with your journey and how you help women with intuitive eating and intuitive movement. So we've mm -hmm. talked a ton on this podcast about intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of the 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 um very important changes that I made in my own life. And, you know, anyone who's listened to my story, I don't need to talk about it because you've, you've heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, there are a lot of parallels to our stories, that place of control and tracking and measuring and striving and not actually listening. So, so how did this mindfulness and, and cultivating mindfulness play a role in your journey to finding a more intuitive way with food and with movement? Yeah. So 
I love this question too. Um, I, once I started rediscovering that my body was sending me messages and that the choices I was making from a place of control were affecting how my body was feeling, um, I felt kind of excited and inspired to about this realization. And it, it made me really, um, kind of take back, take back or feel it more empowered, I should say, um, to honor what my body was doing for me and all that it had done for me. So the mindfulness piece allowed me to slow down enough <laughs> to, to really get those messages from my body. And in, on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, when I started to listen to those messages and like really eat things, like if I ate something that didn't make me feel great, or if I ate something that made me feel really great for the rest of the day, um, I took note of those and was able to make, start to make choices over time in a way that allowed me to feel my best. So mindfulness and the mindset piece was really the foundation of starting the catalyst for beginning to see how my body was related to my mind and what the choices I was making, how they were affecting my mind and vice versa. Um, and moving from there into a place of getting more confidence in the, the, the ability to make those decisions and create more of a lifestyle and habits around those. Once I strengthened this mind-body connection and really started to slow down and pause and pay attention, I realized that it was a really powerful tool and one that I didn't ever want to be disconnected from again. Um, and so once our mental chatter on food and movement starts to slow down, um, you can begin to tune into those messages into your body. Um, and in order to strengthen this in women now, I think it's important to start by just like examining what you're doing and why, why you're doing it. So at the time I was, like I said, following exercise plans, eating a certain way. And the first thing I did was I took a step back. I took inventory of how I was feeling. Um, I started journaling about it. And then I started asking myself why. And I think this is an important step because oftentimes we're, like I said, we're going through the motions, we're on this hamster wheel and we're just going, 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 doing, 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 but we're not um, sure why. Another really helpful thing that helped me um, was identifying my health values and my personal values. And then I was, once I had those values and I'm really clear on that, I was able to take action based on those things. And then in regards to moving and moving your body in a way that aligns with your mind-body connection, um, I think it's really important to get curious with yourself while you're moving your body and ask yourself simple questions like, what am I moving? Is this my leg or is it my butt? Like, where do I feel this in my body and why am I doing it again? So like asking that why, getting curious with um, where you're feeling it because you may be just doing something because an instructor tells you to, and you have no idea where it feels, what it feels like in your body, or if it's actually maybe hurting you. Um, and then again, another way to connect to your body in, even in movement is to focus on your breath. And that allows you to get out of your head and into your body. So an example I can give of this for myself is when I started doing yoga classes more regularly, it was very easy to get caught up in comparison to the other women in class and saying like, oh, I'm not doing this quote right. But when I found instructors who really cued um, your breath and the focus on your breath, it allowed me to say, to step back, pause, pay attention and assess my own body, my own experience, and know that I was actually doing, quote, enough, and what the move was, and how it was feeling in my body, and if it was feeling good or bad. So your breath is always there to guide and support you. And it's a way for you to ground down and can really help in both movement and in what you're eating. Um, so long story short, <laughs> the foundation of a lot of this is that mindfulness mindset piece, work that happens internally and spills over into areas of movement. And 
nutrition. Once you have that body trust, and once you're able to slow down enough to hear your signals and um, allow yourself to honor those with your choices from a place of self-care. Something that I love that you mentioned, and I know we've chatted about this off recording, um, but (laughs) something that I really appreciate and I love about the work that you do is you talk specifically about intuitive eating when it comes to feeling good. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we associate intuitive eating with just eating all the things all the time, which is part of intuitive Mm -hmm. eating. It's giving ourselves unconditional permission to eat all types of foods, taking away the food rules, enjoying foods we might not have before, but we want to do it with that mindfulness piece, right? So that we Mm -hmm. are ultimately feeling good. It's not just about eating all the things to eat all the things. It's about connecting with our bodies so that we feel good. So I know we need to wrap up soon because you've got a sweet little boy who's getting ready for bedtime, (laughs) but I would love for you to share maybe just a tool or two for, um, you know, really helping women to tune into this kind of gentle nutrition piece of intuitive eating. So they are, as they're developing this mindfulness piece and journaling and starting to recognize what feels good, how do we start to embrace gentle nutrition? It's something I love to talk about, but I would love to hear your input on this. How do we embrace it without then just like putting a whole bunch of rules onto things? Yeah. So I think one of the key aspects to embracing gentle nutrition is focusing on your feelings and focusing on having fun. And if you're not feeling good and if you're not having fun and if it's cooking or eating is starting to become another item on your to-do list or that you want to check off or any of the words should start creeping in, then you always need to come back to like the why, why am I doing this? And maybe take a step back from the gentle nutrition. And the other thing that I, I teach my clients, which I think is really important to mention is that sometimes in your, there's so many seasons in our lives. There's um, seasons of each month, there are seasons of each year, there's seasons of our lives. And there are seasons when we can and have the energy and capacity to focus on gen- gentle nutrition. And there are seasons when we can't. And having the grace to know when that is happening and when it's not, and not feeling guilty about it if it's not happening is also really important. So if you're focusing on your feelings, a question that I like to ask myself when I'm either planning the meals ahead or for the week, or maybe going out to eat um, for a special meal is, does this food make me happy? (laughs) Does this food bring me joy? And, or does this food is it, if I ate this, is it in alignment with my values? I think those, those questions can be really, really helpful in focusing on gentle nutrition in a way that is not a rigid set of rules because everyone is so unique. Everyone is individual and gentle nutrition looks different for every single person. So the best way that I can describe it is focusing on your feelings and focusing on having fun. And if either of those things are negative. So if you're not having fun and you're not having good feelings, then I um, suggest either changing it up or trying some different types of foods or taking or embracing a season that gentle nutrition isn't at the forefront. Mm. Oh, I love that piece of advice. That's so, it's so important and feelings and fun. What a great way to, to really easily come back to that and come back to, what feels good and what season am I in? And is this going to bring me joy? Is this fun? Actually, it's funny. Um, I know that I, I messaged you on Instagram the other day because I, I found out where you live. And I, mean, I don't know <laughs> if you want me to share exactly where you live. Um, but it's it's actually one of my one of my favorite cities, like probably in the country. I haven't been to the entire country, so I can't say like <laughs> in the entire country. But um, you're about five hours away from where we are. And Somewhat early on in my intuitive eating journey, I actually went on a trip with my husband and we stayed in an Airbnb probably about 30 minutes outside of, of where you are. And it was it was so interesting because it was the first trip and going back to like circling back to vacations, right? It was the first trip that I had been on where I was no longer I had I had already had my my two babies. Well, I guess my my first baby I'd had several years prior to that, but it was the first vacation we had taken. Um, 
without our little one. And I had, I was like deep into intuitive eating, but I hadn't actually been like out of my element and actually been on a trip. And so my husband and I took this anniversary trip to Vermont and we stayed at this adorable little Airbnb. And it was the first time I was like, you know, taken out of like my normal everyday routines and like my meal planning Mm -hmm. and my meal prep. And, you know, I was no longer strict with those things, but it's just easy to be in, in those type of routines. Right. And to be just naturally around the foods that, that feel good when you're on this intuitive eating journey, it's okay. Stock the foods that feel good, stock the foods that are fun for you. But it was that trip where I decided to focus only on just eating what sounded fun to me. And so Mm -hmm. we had some of the best food that weekends. Like we ate pizza at this place. It was like um, a pizza place and also had a brewery attached to it. So we had like pizza and beer one night. We went to like a winery and we had a cheese plate and just all of these things that I love, but I might not have in the past or definitely wouldn't have before my intuitive eating journey. I definitely wouldn't have... um, probably eaten all those things in like one weekend, it'd be like, okay, I can have that, you know, but then I need to get and eat this thing that's healthy to, you know, and it was such a fun experience to just go, no, I'm just going to eat what's fun. And, and that was one of those really, really cool experiences to realize that, huh, I'm eating all quote unquote fun foods, but I actually feel good too. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty yeah. of intuitive eating. I felt good that whole time. I wasn't like binging on all the foods. I was just focusing on what tasted good and what we wanted to eat. And it was it was so great. And so I love that tuning into our feelings and tuning into what's fun and and that we can we can incorporate what feels good into intuitive eating and intuitive movement. And it all starts with that mindfulness. So yeah, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. There's so much more that I want to talk to you about when it comes to intuitive movement. And I think we're just going to have to have another conversation on intuitive movement in the future (laughs) because there's so much more we can talk to, but I want to honor your time because I know that you are a busy mama and you've got a little (laughs) one who needs you. So, um, you know that I have a few fun rapid fire questions that I like Mm -hmm. to ask at the very end, but before we get to those, I would love for you to just share where my listeners can connect with you more and the work you do, your coaching, your classes, your, all of the things. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram the most and my Instagram handle is Danielle Havens health. And then on my website, it, which is daniellehavens.com, you can find all the other things, my classes and um, my programs and links to other, other stuff. So yeah, go check those out. I'd love for you to say hi. Awesome. Okay. Let's do some fun rapid fire questions and uh, then get you to your little guy. (laughs) So my first question I love to ask because I love to talk about food. We all know I'm a huge foodie. What is it that you have been loving to cook lately? Mm. So I, two things actually pumpkin pancakes, which is kind of ironic because it's not fall, but I've been really enjoying making those recently. Um, and then we have been grilling a lot and I'm really loving preparing grilled shrimp with like grilled veggies on the side. There's something really satisfying about both of those. (laughs) Yes. So good. Oh, I'm all about grilling in the summer months. (laughs) So then what have you been loving to eat? Whether it's something, usually I ask when it's somebody else cooking for you, whether you're getting takeout or going out to a restaurant or somebody's cooking for you. Ooh, definitely pad thai. Mm. (laughs) And I recently had this pad thai that was half rice noodles and half um, like carrot noodles. And it was Mm. super yummy. Um, So I love pad thai. I love the peanut sauce and I love the crunch on top and all the veggies. So yeah. Oh, so good. I love pad thai. It's so good. (laughs) My last and final question, because this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, and we love to promote balance in every area, which is really what our entire conversation was about. But what does balance look like for you in this season? In this season, balance for me looks like reserving my mornings for some intentional time with myself and my son. And it's not a long, a long morning routine, but just some like quiet reflection and gratitude in the morning. Um, This looks like preparing my daily um, latte mindfully and making that a fun ritual for me too. 
include in my day to day. And it, it also includes getting outside and soaking in as much sunshine as I can. I absolutely love the beach and the ocean. And so you will find me there throughout the summer. And that really makes me feel balanced when I'm in nature and can spend time with the people I love most. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I am also all about getting in here. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, this has been such an incredible conversation. I know we could keep talking for so long. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll have to chat more, more in the future about intuitive movement and all Definitely. of the things, but I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you sharing with us today for you being so vulnerable, sharing your story um, and you. all of the incredible work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. It was such a great time and I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.